Hello and welcome to this latest installment of Barnard's on the NBA. I'm your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined by my son and co-host, Emilio. Hey, it's me, Emilio. Yeah, that's Emilio. On this episode, we are going to be continuing our discussion of the best lineups one could put together of NBA players based upon where they played in college. And we're also going to check out the first round of playoff matchups in the Western Conference. And we will be um, saying who we think we're going to win each matchup in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll be uh, giving you a little rundown of our projections through the playoffs as well. So we have that down for posterity. We'll uh, feel free to revise those as we get more information as the uh, playoffs roll on. But give you our our take as things are getting going here. In this episode, we're going to be discussing players who attended Iowa. As we do in these episodes, we uh, go position by position, starting at center, then uh, power forward, followed by small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. Emilio, without further ado, let's uh, jump right into it. Who do you have at Iowa Center? I have Coney Hawkins. That's uh, Connie Hawkins. Connie Hawkins. Yeah, tell us a little bit about Connie Hawkins. This guy's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, Hall of Famer, five-time All-Star, ABA champion. Yeah, I mean, All-ABA. He's the uh, MVP in 1967 For the MVP, you got a pretty... Pretty good. Not just good, but, like, good. Yeah, this guy uh, was a little bit slow in uh, making his way to uh, to professional basketball, was actually involved uh, or associated with a, a point-shaving scandal in uh, New York City where he grew up. Uh, before going to Iowa, uh, was ultimately exonerated from uh, having been involved in, in the point-shaving there, made his start in the ABA when he was 25, and really, I mean, Got out of, out of the gate in the ABA like a house of fire. I mean, this guy uh, only played two years in the ABA, but absolutely crushed it. I mean, averages of uh, 26.8 points per game and 30.2 points per game with uh, over 11 rebounds in each of those seasons as well, playing a ton of minutes. And I believe he um, won that ABA championship in that, that first year in 67 68. Yeah, so extremely, extremely impressive. Uh, won the uh, MVP. That year as well, the uh, ABA MVP. So, I mean, a, a monstrous start to his career and really was able to carry that over as he made it to the NBA, uh, starting yeah. out with the with the Suns in 1969. Yeah. He went to the All-Star Game his first four years there in, in, yeah, in Phoenix. Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really impactful uh, NBA career despite not getting started until uh, pretty late in the game. Um, Connie Hawkins, known as, uh, as Hawk and uh, the yeah. man. I wonder if anyone ever called him uh, Hawkman. You know, like Clint Barton. Yeah, um, he actually, uh, he actually um, ended the league at twenty-five and was out of the league at thirty-two. I think. Yeah, yeah, not not that many years in uh, in, in the NBA for the reasons that we just said, but uh, definitely a high a high minute, high impact guy when he played. I mean, uh, you know, almost a twenty per for his uh, for his career, and obviously, uh, you know, that ABA title uh, right out of the gate. So. Very, very impressive player. One, I mean, he's part of the ABA's uh, all-time team as uh, one of the guys who made the biggest impact there despite only playing a couple of years. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a Hall of Famer since uh, 1992. So definitely a really important player in the history of uh, Iowa basketball. Yes, for sure. Let's uh, let's move on. I, I had him at, at center as well. Who did you have, Mills, at power forward? I actually – I had Don Nelson. Don Nelson, yes, I had uh, Don Nelson as well. Let's talk a little bit about uh, about Don Nelson. Obviously, went on to uh, great success as a coach 
as well. The winningest NBA head coach of all time with an incredibly long career. But let's talk a little bit about him as a player. So you had him at power forward as well. Um, I did. Yeah, he was an okay player. I mean, played a while, mostly with the Celtics. Averaged 15 points a game one year. I mean, like a 10-point a game scorer for his career. Yeah, mostly a, a bench player, as evidenced by uh, by his minutes per game for his uh, for his career at about twenty minutes per game. But part of uh, five championship teams with, with the Celtics. I mean, pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, you know, five title teams. You gotta be pretty good. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. I, I think mostly due to his work as a coach. I mean, a, a legendary coach. Uh, you know, coached uh, in in a whole bunch of different spots over the course of a really long period of time. So. Uh, I mean, a guy who, you know, very memorable from my perspective as a coach of the, the Warriors, the Knicks, the Mavericks. I mean, he, you know, obviously the winningest coach in NBA history. So you're, you're going to have coached in a lot of spots over the course of a lot of seasons. But definitely always heard about his uh, contributions as a player as well. Yeah. Taking 17th overall in the third round of the 1962 NBA draft, starting his career out with the uh, Chicago Zephyrs. I know uh, one of the squad's uh, – you, uh, you, you like from back in the day, uh, you know, making his way to the Lakers. And then, uh, as, as you mentioned, playing uh, the bulk of his career with the, with the Celtics and part of five title teams. I mean, you know, as with uh, some other guys who had a ton of success with the Lakers, you know, Casey Jones comes to mind. I mean, some of those guys, you know, that really um, it enhanced their profile a lot, you know, being a part of uh, even a relatively small part of, uh, of a really successful team. But really, I mean, when you look at Don Nelson's, career numbers. I mean, you know, he was playing, you know, 20, 25, 27 minutes per game for those uh, Celtics teams. So definitely getting some considerable run and, uh, you know, significant part of, uh, of, of some really, really good teams with the Celtics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, his, uh, his son actually is the, uh, the general manager of the, uh, of the Mavericks has been, been part of uh, building some, some really good teams there too. So uh, the Nelsons with a uh, strong legacy in, in the NBA to be sure. Yes. I, I, so I had him at, uh, at power forward as well. I think well-deserving as uh, another Hall of Famer from Iowa. Mills, who'd you have at the three? I had John Johnson. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, John Johnson. Pretty easy name to remember, I would say. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he was a two-time All-Star, um, NBA champion in 70, um, 78, 79, that is, and um, – yeah, played a while in the league. Played um, that's like um, I don't know, like eleven seasons. Yeah, eight hundred and sixty-nine career regular season games. Uh, six seven, two hundred pounds. Definitely a small forward. Seventh overall pick in uh, nineteen seventy. Interesting that he only started one game, and that was the last, um, <laughs> last his last um, season in the league. Well, we're referring to uh, basketball reference as we do for these uh, statistics. And I think uh, basketball reference only started uh, tracking games started in the 1981-82 uh, season, which definitely leads to some interesting uh, interesting looks. Because, I mean, you, you look at his 869 career games, one start. But, of course, we're only tracking his starts in that final season in which he played only 14 games. So just, uh, just getting a taste of uh, the game started at the end of his career. Undoubtedly, he started more games than that because you yeah. can see – Earlier in his career, not only was he an all-star the first couple of years of his career. But, but he, was, he played like 82 games. Played 82 games. And, and, you know, you look at his minutes played. I mean, he's, you know, well over 30 minutes in the early part of his career. So pretty safe bet that he was starting at least some of the time there during the most productive years of his career. 
Yes. Yeah, John Johnson, known as uh, JJ. There's a lot of other John Johnsons, but uh, this is one of them, and this is probably the best uh, basketball playing John Johnson in, uh, yeah. in in NBA history. Score forty points in a game once. Yeah, pretty impressive. I mean, in those early years, he could obviously fill it up. I mean, you know, capable of uh, of putting up uh, point totals in the in the thirties, and uh, ended up averaging. Um, you know, in, in the in the teens there. Yeah, uh, he actually played fifty two minutes in one game. Yeah, I mean, you play <laughs> if you play OT. I mean, you know that 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 can definitely happen. So, uh, yeah, John Johnson, you're uh, you're a small forward. And fifty five minutes in one game too. Well, you know, I like that. <laughs> uh, I actually went a different direction. I think John Johnson, a, a strong choice for sure. I went with uh, with Kevin Gamble. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I thought so. Um, <laughs> Kevin Gamble uh, taken in the third round of the uh, eighty seven draft. Um, I don't know. Looking at looking back on it, John Johnson might actually uh, be a better choice. But this is this is a good opportunity to talk about Kevin Gamble. All the same, yes. uh, mostly contributor with the uh, with the Celtics in the uh, early part of his career and really through uh, through his prime. Uh, yeah, I don't the, know that much about him actually. Yeah, I mean Kevin. Uh, you know, it just uh, I I certainly uh, seen some seen some of his cards over the years. I mean, yes. I have. have uh, Watched a little bit of Kevin Gamble over the years, but I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know a ton about him either. Guy who uh, started for uh, Celtics teams in the early '90s. He told me he was like the old KG. The old, <laughs> because his uh, his initials are, are, are KG. That's always a uh, always a good joke. Um, yeah, he was the original KG in Boston. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a contributor on, on some decent uh, Celtics teams, but I mean, really not not a super remarkable career when you uh, when you break it down. Um, John Johnson might have might have been a better choice. Maybe I'll amend my uh, amend my pick, but worth worth talking about Kevin Gamble. All the same, guy uh, played 649 regular season games in his career, and uh, you know did did some solid work out there in the he, NBA. Yeah, he actually played. He actually wore number 34 on the Celtics, just like Paul Pierce. Yeah, it's probably where Paul Pierce got it from. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. All right. So um, you want to move on here to uh, to your shooting guard? Sure. I um, have. Ricky Davis at my shooting guard. Ricky Davis, yeah. Let's uh, let, let's talk about Ricky Davis. Yeah, Ricky Davis was a decent player. I mean, played a bunch in the league for sure. I mean, yeah, played on a lot of teams. He uh, good score, averaged thirteen and a half points per game for his career. Yeah, actually, notably for his last two years of his career, he didn't play in the league. Yeah, because he was playing overseas at age 31 and 32 in uh, France and, uh, and in Puerto Rico. Yeah, Ricky Davis, definitely a guy I remember having come into the league in uh, in 1998 and having played as uh, a 19-year-old, so after just one year at Iowa and uh, playing until uh, in, in the NBA until 2010. Uh, a guy who was definitely out for his own, as, as I recall. I mean, a good scorer, you know, qu- quality yes. scorer in the, in the NBA. I mean, could get, could get to his shot. But definitely, uh, look, you know, hunting for statistics, and I think uh, no more, in, in no more situation, uh, no situation more notable, I should say, than uh, his attempt for a uh, triple double. We were just uh, just talking about that prior to uh, starting our record here. Mills, uh, want to fill the uh, the listeners in on, on what happened there? So yeah, he um, he had one. He had he only had one. He had only had he only needed one more rebound. And so they're about to have the Cavaliers were about to have a twenty-seven point victory over the Jazz when Ricky Davis um, got the ball and he threw it off the glass so he could get that last rebound. 
off off his own backboard uh, to to get that last rebound. He was uh, you know, one rebound shy of a triple double. His and first then of his career. Before I could get the rebound, somebody on the other team fouled him. Yeah, so it didn't end up working out for uh, for Ricky Davis, but that was the, the type of move that uh, that Ricky Davis would uh, would would attempt to pull off in uh, in an NBA game. So despite his uh, his reasonably high end scoring, uh, always yeah. a guy who gave off the impression of maybe not totally being a uh, a winning contributor. And rough for him, he didn't ever have a triple double. Yeah, they didn't give it to him that day, and uh, and yeah, it didn't didn't quite work out. But Ricky Davis still with a notable uh, NBA career. Um, lasted, as we mentioned, only until uh, age 30, but uh, started at age 19. So he managed to uh, pack quite a bit of NBA action into that time, 736 regular season games. I considered Ricky Davis, too. Definitely uh, wanted to bring him up and discuss him. I went a different direction at uh, a shooting guard. I went with downtown Freddie Brown. Now, uh, an Iowa attendee who... Uh, Came to the NBA as a uh, draft pick in 1971, sixth overall, uh, listed at 6'3", 182. Really made his bones with the uh, with the yeah. Seattle SuperSonics, uh, yeah. Sonic for his entire career. Won a title there, and um, he actually has the most points in Iowa history. Yeah, pretty notable there. Uh, and a one-time NBA All-Star, as you mentioned, uh, an NBA champ, yeah. and uh, came in before the uh, the three-point line. Uh, was was implemented in 1979-80. Uh, had already been uh, in his career for for quite a few years at that point. But this guy could really stroke it. An excellent three point shooter for his uh, for his time or really any time. Yeah. I mean, he took 1.1 um, three point attempt per game. That first season, yeah. Yeah, that first season of the three point line hit 44.3 percent. Yeah, obviously the the volume back then. I mean, nothing compared to what we see today. But I mean, uh, you know, certainly a, a threat from back there. I mean, he, even, yeah, even popping just once uh, once a game back in those days, he was uh, hitting a, at a rate that was uh, as as good as anyone, uh, at least at the the outside of the three point line, and a thirty seven percent three point shooter for his career. So uh, again, again, that doesn't really take into account what he accomplished earlier in his career before the three point line came in. And when he was, you know, averaging, uh, you know, he got, got up to uh, over 20 points a game in a couple of seasons for the uh, for the Sonics. But uh, definitely um, a guy who could shoot it very effectively. And uh, who, who knows how much more uh, his value would have been amplified had, he, had the three-point line been around for more of his career or if, uh, you know, that had been more emphasized. Yeah. So uh, def- definitely a, a, a high-quality player. Um, so I think he remains part of trying to get uh, basketball back to Seattle as, as one of the uh, – you know, a lifelong Sonic. I mean, a guy who uh, played his entire career there. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. I mean, we've looked at a lot of players now. Not too many guys have uh, played their entire career in one spot. Yes, for sure. All right. So we uh, now have uh, our teams through uh, through the shooting guard. Mills, who'd you have at the point? Well, yeah. I mean, the point guard. I'd be damn sure. Yeah, you're talking about the kid. Let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about B.J. Armstrong. What, what, yeah. do you, what do you know about him? I mean, he won three titles with the Bulls. He's actually a one-time All Star. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, some of that shine of uh, winning those championships uh, rubbed off on B.J. Armstrong, to be sure. But uh, high-quality player. I mean, you look look at what he was able to uh, to accomplish. I mean, guy uh, well known for having uh, kind of a baby face out there, but I mean, didn't play like a baby. That's for sure. No, great player. I think. Yeah, uh, definitely factored into uh, those Bulls title teams, uh, an all-star, as you mentioned, in 93-94, uh, 
guy who started alongside Michael Jordan on some phenomenal teams, obviously Scottie Pippen as well, you know, played his role. I mean, you know, a high percentage uh, shooter. I mean, you look at his uh, three-point shooting. I mean, we just mentioned downtown Freddie Brown. Uh, PJ Armstrong, 42% three-point shooter for his career. Yeah, um, but he only took like um, 1,026 for his career. And in the first two years of his career, actually, his three-point percentage was 500 um, or 50%. That's on barely any attempts. but Yeah, yeah and he was 3 for 6 the first year and 15 for 30 the next year. And he was actually the league leader in three-point percentage in um, – 92-93 with um, 45% and a 63 for 139 from downtown. Yeah, so really, I mean, functioning in, in the way that uh, that Steve Kerr kind of did for, uh, for for these squads too as, as an outlet for uh, for Jordan and, and, and Pippen to kick to as a really reliable di- shooter from distance. Yeah. So really good player. I mean, part of uh, three Bulls title teams and uh, has gone on to be actually an agent in the league. Uh, B.J. Armstrong, a pretty notable one at that. So an, an excellent career from B.J. Armstrong. I did not realize, I mean, having experienced some of his career as a kid, did not realize how good of a shooter he was. Yeah, those did are, you have him here too? I did. Yeah, those are some pretty deadly numbers. And I think, uh, yeah, he's he's the point guard from, uh, from, from Iowa from my perspective. I think, you know, Fred Brown played some point guard as well. I think he would be an argument here too, but I, yeah. I had him slotted at the two. So do you want to um... – Wrap this up, or do you want to? Let, let, let's run down first. the players that we had on on each of our teams, and then we can just reference a couple other guys. Okay. Um, I had center Courtney Hawkins, power forward Don Nelson, small forward Don Johnson, shooting guard Ricky Davis, and point guard BJ Armstrong. And I had uh, center Connie Hawkins, power forward Don Nelson, uh, small forward. I'm going to switch over to uh, John Johnson because I think you're right about that. I had said Kevin Gamble, uh, shooting guard Fred Brown, and at point guard BJ Armstrong. Now, I, I did want to mention also um, Reggie Evans. This guy played in the league uh, pretty recently, only uh, finished up his uh, his NBA tenure uh, in 2015. Uh, notable uh, from my perspective. A guy who has uh, one of the highest rebound percentages of all time. I think he's like fifth in rebound percentage all time. Just like absolutely dead set on getting rebounds. Not Not much else to his career, really. Super annoying player to watch, in my personal opinion. One of these guys who, uh, you know, part of his game is just getting under the skin of his opponents. But I remember him in Iowa, at, at Iowa uh, as, uh, as, as, a, as a college player, probably from the tournament or maybe just watching college ball in general. But a, a long NBA career really uh, uh, built on, on on being a nuisance and being a, a, a big-time rebounder. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to, uh, wanted to mention him. Um, anyone else you want to uh, you want to get to here? I mean, Brad Lowhouse is a guy, another guy I remember. Uh, I, there's actually not really anybody else I really want to get to. Yeah, um, did want to mention uh, before we before we wrap this up, uh, Dave Gunther. Can you actually um, look at Brad Lowhouse for a second? Because I think he wore 54 every um, time. Yeah, I was gonna say Brad Lowhouse, uh, uh, n- known as a Big Bird, Vanilla Gorilla. Uh, played, played, uh, played 656 games in the league. It definitely made made an impact, but uh, yeah, a consistent number 54 wearer. So uh, you know, not very impressed about that. Um, any anything else you want to say about uh, Brad Lowhouse? No. 
All right, so I did want to mention uh, Dave Gunther. I, I know he didn't play a lot in the league, only got uh, five minutes in with the San Francisco Warriors back in 62-63. Uh, but uh, this guy could really fill up the stat sheet. I mean, you, know, you look at what uh, this guy was able to accomplish in uh, relatively limited action. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, per 36 minutes, I mean, 21.6 rebounds per game and 21.6 assists per game and 14.4 points per game, but 7.2 personal fouls per game. So he'll, like, foul out, like, every game. I'm just saying, if you play five minutes in the league, you get up two shots, you make one, you get three rebounds, you get three assists, and you get a foul. <laughs> That's a busy five minutes. So, uh, you know, it's really making it count. So uh, big ups, uh, Dave Gunther. Yeah, so um, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back to discuss those Western Conference playoff matchups. And we're back now to uh, have a look at the uh, Western Conference first round matchups. Mills, let's uh, let's get this started. Let's uh, let's talk about Lakers Blazers. What do you I think the Blazers about? are gonna win in seven games. Now that is a bold prediction, Mills. What makes you think the Lakers are gonna fall here to the Blazers? The Blazers have just been through a lot. Uh, I think the Blazers are super good. Yeah, Emilio, as you uh, may have uh, learned in the uh, favorite 15 players right now episode, a huge, huge Damian Lillard fan, as I am. And uh, coming off his performance in the seeding games and in the play-in, kind of hard to uh, deny what Dame is capable of at this moment. I think they definitely could. Yeah, I mean, they have a tall order in front of them, to be sure. I mean, the Lakers, obviously, uh, the best team in the Western Conference during the season, obviously fronted by the likes of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, both of whom I think are going to be really difficult matchups for the Blazers. And I think that really uh, gets to my concern with the Blazers in general. I think defensively, they're going to have some major problems dealing with the Lakers. Yes. Now, I think on the flip side... The Lakers are going to have a hard time finding answers for for Dame, uh, and Dame is playing like a man possessed right now. So I can still so CJ. Yeah, I mean CJ obviously dealing with uh, with some injuries right now. He's got a fracture in his back, I believe, and uh, that's going to limit him somewhat, I would imagine. But he did look pretty good in uh, in, in the playing game and in uh, in the seeding games prior to that. So um, those are going to be factors. I think Zach Collins. Uh, very much up in the air whether he's going to be able to participate in the series or you know how much at this point so that could be a factor they're going to need more bodies against the the Lakers I think it would be really helpful if the Blazers had Trevor Ariza around unfortunately he's not available um yeah so uh I mean it's pretty pretty bold call uh saying that the uh, the Lakers are going to go down here to the to the Blazers uh how do you how do you see that uh playing out in terms of number of games seven you say that already yeah um, for series MVP, I think it will be Dan. Yeah, I mean, if the Blazers win, I think that's a pretty good bet. I mean, I, I guess you could imagine, you know, Yusuf Nurkic getting super involved too. But, yeah, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. I am going to take the Lakers. I mean, I'm not as bold as uh, as you are, Mills. I would love to see the Blazers uh, figure out a way to get it done and to make it really interesting. But I'm going to say the uh, Lakers in six. Uh, give the Blazers a couple of games. I think they do have a chance here. I think they can score with anybody. So I, I think, you know, in, in any particular game, I definitely give them a puncher's chance. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to take, uh, take the Lakers in, uh, in, in six. Let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, to the next series, one that's, uh, that's really juicy, the other one that hasn't begun yet at the time that we're, uh, we're recording this. That is the 4-5 uh, the series between the Rockets and the Thunder. Mills, how do you see this playing out? I think the 
Thunder will win in seven. Wow. Okay. So yeah, what's uh what what's leading you down uh down that path? Um because of um Ross being injured right now. Yeah, it's going to be a factor for sure. I mean, I, I, unclear how many games of this series he's going to miss. I mean, he's he's dealing with uh, with a quad strain right now, I believe, and uh, he's certainly going to miss game one. And I, I think the likelihood is he's going to miss the first couple of games here. I wonder though uh, whether the Rockets aren't going to be fine. I mean, without without him. I mean, I I know. I mean, it's definitely useful having Russ around. However, they just got Eric Gordon back. And I think the uh, concept of playing with James Harden and four other shooters is, uh, is is pretty dangerous. I mean, you're kind of switching up. I mean, Russ, not much of a, of a shooter from the outside, brings something different, obviously, uh, being able to attack the basket in, in the way that he can and, and distribute too. But I think uh, the Rockets are, are able to unlock some other facets of their offense without Russ on the court. So it'll be really interesting to see how that aspect of it plays out. I know um, – the uh, Rockets are also, excuse me, the Thunder are uh, supposedly going to be without uh, Lou Dort to uh, to start this uh, this series as well. He's an important player. I mean, I think mostly as uh, as a defender against James Harden, has the kind of size and physicality to uh, make James Harden have to work at least a little bit. Obviously, James Harden capable of beating any defender in the league on a consistent basis, but I think it's one less body they have to throw at Harden. It'd be nice. I mean, I'm sure they'll be happy that they got Andre Robertson around for this series and, you know, they'll have some tools by which to attack James Harden. But I kind of think... For the whole series? I'm not sure whether whether we, we know yet whether Lou Dorr will be out for the entire series or, or not or what, what his status is at this point. So we'll have to find out more about that as we go along. With that said, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm take, taking the Rockets in this series. Series MVP? I'm going to take the Rockets in six. Yeah, series MVP, Rockets win James Harden, Thunder win Chris Paul. Yeah, uh, hard, hard to argue with, with either of those. Uh, I, I'm going to take James Harden as the uh, series MVP with the Rockets winning in six. I don't know if I mentioned the uh, series MVP projection for the uh, the first series there, but uh, I will take uh, AD. Not LeBron, okay. Yeah, just kind of mix it up. I mean, you know, we're going gonna to need to uh, go LeBron in, in a bunch of these series, I'm sure. It's going to be one of those guys in all likelihood. All right, so so we have our, our our picks in for the first for those first two series. We're actually going opposite directions. Pretty interesting, and uh, let's get to the uh, one of the series that's already begun. We watched this game yesterday as we record this. This was uh, Nuggets versus Jazz. A virtuoso performance by Donovan Mitchell. Uh, over fifty-seven. Fifty-seven points. Really incredible. Third most all-time in a playoff game. But uh, how do you see this the series uh, going from here? I mean, we saw some pretty phenomenal play from uh, the likes of Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic as well. Um, seven games, Nuggets winning, a bunch of the games going into overtime. I mean, you saw them face off in the restart in the seeding games, went to double overtime. You saw them face off in the playoffs, they went to overtime. So, like. Yeah, these teams are, are pretty well, uh, pretty evenly matched, I think. And you got to remember, I mean, that there are players who are out right now who are going to be factors in the series, you would think. I mean, especially if it goes like, you know, deep into the series, as we suspect. You know, Mike Conley away from the team right now due to the birth of his son. But uh, due back, I think <clears throat> hopefully uh, he'll be available by, I don't know, game four or something like that. So, I mean, they'll, they'll be able to, to get him back. I know uh, Gary Harris also hasn't appeared yet in this series, neither has Will Barton. So 
those guys are going to be factors too if they can get back. <laughs> What's that? Hodius did second. You looked like Wilbur. I look like Wilbur. <laughs> wow, taking on uh, the appearance of uh, people I'm speaking about. Um, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a, a, a fantastic series. Really entertaining game one. I, I'm going to lean uh, Nuggets as well. I'll say Nuggets in seven, but I mean that's what you picked as well. But yeah. I, I think this is a really close series, and I could, I could see and the Jazz winning. Series MVP Jamal Murray. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to take Nikola Jokic, but I, I mean, if Jamal Murray shoots like he did yesterday, uh, he's he's got a great opportunity to win this. I, I completely agree with that. All right, let's get uh, to the final series here. The uh, the Clippers, who lead one nothing as we record this over the Mavericks. It, very interesting game last night. Um, Mavericks, I think, you know, showed that they they have an they have a shot to win this series. I mean, they, they played a really close game. I still think the Clippers are going to win in five. Yeah, so you, you see the games. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely see it. I mean, the Clippers could win any of these games. Uh, they have <coughs> probably better high-end talent on the squad with Kawhi and, uh, and, and Paul George and more depth, too. Uh, I don't know, though. I mean, you know, ha- having having watched uh, watched the game last night, Luca with an uh, uncharacteristically high number of turnovers in that, in that game. Eleven. Eleven turnovers and Kristaps uh, uh, Porzingis being ejected. Uh, with a lot of time to go in the game, I think uh, the Mavericks had a very reasonable chance to uh, hang in there and try to steal one. So I'm still going to take the Clippers here, but I'm going to take the Clippers in in six games, uh, having been pretty impressed by what the Mavericks were able to offer. And it really wouldn't shock me if the uh, the Mavericks pushed this to a game seven somehow. Yes. So do you want to go right into um, running down who we think are going to win quickly? Well, let's just do the MVPs from that series for the sake of completeness, and then then we'll uh, quickly transition into uh, our projections for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, um, series MVP Kawhi. Series MVP Kawhi, yeah. I'm going to – just to mix it up here, I'll say uh, series MVP Paul George. But uh, I, I think, you know, obviously it could be Kawhi too. I mean, I guess, you know, with these series MVP projections, we're uh, mostly picking – some of the top performers. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how those play out. All right. So let's let's transition here into uh, how we see the rest of the playoffs playing out. Again, we're perfectly happy to uh, make adjustments to this based on uh, how we see things playing out on the on the court as the playoffs roll on. But right now, I think it's worth uh, worth getting it in the book. So we we have our first round series winners picked at this point. So it's really a question of uh, second round series. And let's let's get it going. Finals, conference finals. So yeah, I have the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Winning against the Magic. Um, so you want me to do my bracket and then you do your bracket? Why don't we just talk? Yeah, let's yeah, let's talk it through. Okay, then I have the um, the Heat beating the Pacers. Yep. Then I have the Celtics beating the Sixers, and I have the Raptors beating the Nets. So let's focus on the Eastern Conference there. Who, who do you, who you see coming out of that Bucks Heat matchup? Um. In the second round, yeah, the Bucks, but I think it will be close, maybe in six games there. And then I, th- I see the Raptors coming out in seven against the Celtics. Very interesting. So uh, how, how about if we, we extend that further? So the Bucks versus the Raptors would be set up in the conference finals. Yeah, do you want to run yours down first? Or? Why, why don't we go through, why don't we go through your, uh, your bracket first? Okay, yeah, I have the Bucks. Losing actually there in seven to the Raptors. Yeah, so that'd be the Raptors getting back to the finals. That's really interesting. I mean, I think the Raptors are, are definitely going to give the Bucks a major series. I really see either the Celtics or the Raptors giving a pretty substantial series to the uh, to the Bucks there. All right, so let's move to the West and let's let's set up your finals matchup here. 
Yeah, so I have the Blazers beating the Lakers in seven. I have the Thunder beating the Rockets in seven. I have the Nuggets beating the Jazz in seven. I have the Clippers beating the Mavericks in five. Mm-hmm. I have the Blazers when beating the Thunder in six. Mm-hmm. I have the Nugget, the Clippers beating the Nuggets um, in six. Uh-huh. I have the Clippers beating the Blazers in six as well. And then I have the Clippers so, beating the Raptors in seven. Fantastic. So that's that's your Clippers as, as the NBA champion and your projections. I'll work through uh, work through mine now. So, like you, I have uh, the Bucks and uh, Heat meeting up in the second round. There, I see the Bucks taking that series in six. I see the um, uh, the Celtics and uh, and Raptors facing off in a series I'm really looking forward to in the other side of the East bracket. I see the Celtics uh, taking that one in uh, in seven games. Although I think it'll be really closely contested, and it would not shock me at all if the Raptors prevailed. And then see the uh, the Bucks defeating the uh, the Celtics in six in the East to represent the East in the, uh, in the in the finals in the Western Conference. I have the uh, the Lakers and Rockets meeting up in the uh, second round, and I actually see the Rockets prevailing there in, uh, in in seven games. So that would be uh, both of us seeing the Lakers heading out in the uh, the first two rounds of this uh, this playoff. In the uh, in the other half of the Western bracket, I see the uh, the Clippers defeating the uh, the Nuggets. In uh, in five, and uh, they'd be facing off. So we'd get uh, the Rockets versus the uh, the Clippers there, and I see the Clippers taking that one in seven. So we then have Clippers Bucks in the final, which is uh, yeah, that's one of the greats. Yeah, that'd be it'd be a really fun final. I mean, I think there are a bunch of different permutations that would be really uh, fascinating to watch play out, and I do see the Clippers uh, prevailing there in six games. Yeah. So we both got uh, the Clippers as our NBA champs, uh, and we'll see how this all plays out. Very fun to uh, be at the beginning of an NBA playoffs. Yeah. So if you're enjoying, please leave a rating, review, and subscribe wherever you got your podcasts. Yeah, we're uh, pretty much uh, anywhere you would look for podcasts at this point, and uh, we really appreciate you uh, listening. If you are interested in uh, getting in touch with us, we'd very much appreciate an email at uh Barnards on the NBA at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media on Twitter at Barnards on NBA. And uh, definitely feel free to uh, let anyone you know who might be interested in this type of content about the show. Uh, it helps us, uh, you know, get out there, get bigger numbers. And uh, it's good for everybody to uh, uh, continue to get the word out about us. Yeah. So, um, bye.